Uh, thanks for coming to the 19th special podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Sweden. Um, we're going over dichotomy of leadership. This is the second session, so it'll be chapters two and whatever else we get done today. Thank you guys for coming. Um, so we kind of went over the introduction and we went over chapter one and um, we left with pretty much what the grass was, what the weeds are and the trees and all that kind of stuff. So um, do you guys have any questions or remarks about the introduction or chapter one? Okay, cool, right on. And then, um, so we'll just go into chapter two, which is own it all but empower others. Um, and it's all about micromanaging versus um, decentralized command, right? So it's too much of the managing versus too much of standing back. And that's kind of like, um, we'll go over like the signs of the micromanager, which is lack of initiation from your team members. Your team members uh, do not seek to solve problems. The, the team does not mobilize and take action. There's no bold and aggressive action is rare. Creativity grinds to a halt. Um, we'll just kind of stop right there with those those five because lack of initiatives <clears throat> is kind of important, right? So I think that um, pretty much you could probably, I think Ryan has this problem every now and again with his guys, right? He, he'll tell them to do something, but they're not going around and following up. So they have a lack of initiative to follow up and kind of do a big search around the car to make sure everything's done. And he's been resolving those issues. Um, and then the other thing is, uh, the team does not seek to solve problems. They'll bring a problem to you as the leader, but they're not giving you any resolution. Usually when you have a really good team and you've set up this team, when you bring a problem to a leader, you try to want to have like some type of, of solving that problem to the leader. And that's kind of what you want to get your ingrained into your employees is, hey, if you see a problem, figure out a, figure out a way to solve that problem and then tell me what your solving of the problem is. Are you guys able to hear me okay? I can hear you great. Perfect. Yeah, I can hear you fine. Okay, cool. um, the other thing is the team does not mobilize and take action. And that just means that when they see a problem, they're not initiating doing something about that problem. That means they are not, they're just not taking that initiative to, to solve a problem they're just taking it to you and going, yeah, there's a problem. They see it, or maybe they don't even say anything at all because they're they're not doing anything. They're 
They're so micromanaged that they're frozen with not having any ideas. They're frozen with not giving you any ideas and they have no idea what to do anymore. So they just kind of like are living life on a coaster ride, right? When they're at work. Bold and aggressive action is where it kind of goes to the same thing, meaning that they're not taking, there's no aggressiveness of ideas, meaning that, hey, like Ryan's changing shops right now. So instead of going, hey, I've got this great idea for your garage shop, or I've got um, this really cool idea, they're not taking any bold and aggressive movements of their own ideas and trying to incorporate that with Ryan as a leader. Not saying that that's happening, but that's just an example, right? And then the creativity grinds to a halt, which kind of goes along with that bold and aggressive action is where if you don't have any creativity, how can you have any bold and aggressive action? And without that bold and aggressive action, how can you have any mobilization to action, right? So it kind of, all these like signs of micromanaging all kind of lead together, right? There's one right after the other and they all kind of end up in the same pile. Does not venture out into other departments, which that means is the employee is not going and seeking other um, engagement, whether it's outside the detail mafia or outside the detailing world, or maybe into other detailing, you know, and taking initiative going, hey, man, I wonder what this detailer is charging, or I wonder what they're doing over here. What kind of, you know, paint protection film are they using, or what kind of tint are they using? Um, and they're kind of passive and, and failure, and there's no failure, there is failure to react. So those are the last ones for signs that you may have too much micromanaging going on, because those are all symptoms of, of what's of a failing and thriving, um, team. And then, um, you know, and your subordinates are going to shut down, right? They're, they're not going to want to do anything if you're not giving them that creative room to do it. So decentralized command, there can be too much decentralized command, meaning you're taking too much step back, meaning that um, in the detailing world, it could be that, you know what? Uh, that car looks like crap and you just put it out to the customer because you didn't go over it and you're just kind of letting them run amok. And they're kind of not having any more structure. They don't understand boundaries anymore. Um, so there's no clear direction. Um, the thinking is starting to, um, there's too much thinking outside the box per se, right? Um, the, they're making up their own standard operating procedures. They're beyond, they're kind of going beyond their own skills and confidence. They have no vision and they're just making random indirect movements without even talking to you about it. So that's kind of more of like this decentralized command that we're talking about. Um, so the, um, Another another thing is like you could be decentralized and personalized, right? Too, like if you are spending too much time detailing, and you're not taking care of home stuff, maybe your grass isn't mowed, maybe it's the outside of your house, 
maybe it's the inside of your house, meaning you're not cleaning up after yourself and your house now looks like a disaster. Or maybe it's your family you're not attending to. So you can have too much decentralized command in your own personal life and not enough engagement. So when we talk about the dichotomy of decentralized command versus the micromanaging, that's what it's talking about. You, you want to kind of balance out having too much leadership with a team, and that team could be your family, or maybe it's your detailing team. So it's just finding that balance, and all those signs that I just talked about are kind of, that's what that's all about. Um, so the the signs of the, the hands-off, too much hands-off, uh, we talked about the lack of vision what the team is trying to do, the lack of coordination between team members and often um, compete and, and interfere with each other. So what that basically means is that since you have so much of a hands-off, it could be with your kids because now they're competing for mom or dad's time, right? Now, because you're not getting involved with your kids or you're not getting involved with your team, they are not engaging. They're, they're just like, well, I'm going to run this one over so I can get more attention from dad or mom, or I'm going to do this and it's going to be amazing. And then mom or dad are going to see, and they're going to give me attention. Um, initiate uh, oversteps bounds of authority. And that's kind of talking about writing your own SOPs and becoming your own autonomy within the group. And that kind of goes into when you're either in Monterey, you're at Air Force One, I'm sure. I've never been to Air Force One, but I'm sure it goes in the same thing. It's all a team. When you go up to pretty much when you do the fire engines with me or you go down and do the fire engines in L.A. County, it's it's the same thing. You have a team leader. So the team leader for McCall's week or Motor Lux now it's Bob Phillips, right? He directs everything and he's the team lead and he kind of has a way of doing things. When you go to Air Force One, it's Rennie. When you come to do my fire engines, it's me. When you go down to LA, it's Rich, right? Um, so the point of that is, is that there's always a funnel to the leader program, but you're going to be able to do your own thing on the project. So Ryan, uh, Ryan De Silva and, and Chris were there with me last year. I kind of like have an overall plan, right? And I say, this is the, this is the correction we want to get to. Um, here are the pads. Here's, if you guys, here's like some stuff that's working for us right now on this type of paint. Um, looks like it's a two-step, go after it. So <clears throat> I'm giving a boundary of a situation of like, hey, this is what we want to be done. This is the goal. This is what we want it to look like. But how you get there is maybe your machine, maybe you're using a Rupes or maybe yours in the Flex, whatever you're utilizing, you still have to kind of make your own way there, if that makes sense. We've kind of come up with a solution on what's working, but maybe it's not working for you in that spot. So you're still having to troubleshoot and you want your team to troubleshoot. You don't want them to have to come to you and go, well, um, what do you think I should use on this? Or, well, you're experienced enough, you should be able to kind of mitigate some of your own stuff. And if you still have like worked on everything you can, I've used this polish with this kind of pad. And, you know, this is what you guys are using on the other side of the engine, but it's not working on this side. 
Um, I've kind of troubleshooted these these four different, you know, polishes or abrasives and it's not working and I've used these pads, I need help. Rad. But they've taken that initiative. Um, and they're not overstepping the bounds of like, well, meaning that you're not overstepping the bounds of going, well, I'm just going to do it this way and I'm just going to, it's not going to be that good of a correction and I'm not going to say anything. And we're just going to have to do it this way. And that's how it's going to be. So uh, failure to coordinate, meaning that if you leave your team to do something, they're not coordinating with each other to be, be that team. Um, too many people trying to lead. And that is super common. Oh, my gosh. That is super common. That is like the funnest thing. When you, uh, when you get a team together and you're actually leading a training or something of that sort, and you're trying to let the natural leader come out, as in you kind of have a guy that you say, hey, we're going to kind of go with, you know, Joe over here, and you guys kind of follow his command. All of a sudden, you'll see other people, because Joe's not a strong commander, that they're trying to overstep Joe's orders. They're overstepping their bounds, and they're not doing what Joe asked, and they're kind of doing their own thing, and they're just running them up, right? And that's kind of that's kind of fun for me to watch. Um, so those are your signs of too much of too much of the decentralized command. Do you guys have any questions or inputs on on the dichotomy of d of decentralized command versus micromanaging? Yeah, I'll go. Yeah, go ahead. Um, now I seem to fall into both of those categories somehow. And I will, uh, like when you asked, uh, the team does not seek to solve problems. My guys don't seek to solve problems either because I'm micromanaging too much or they're not understanding my why. You know, why are we doing this? What are we doing it for? And why are we doing it the way we're doing it? When I don't explain those things to them, you know, then they don't really, they don't take that initiative. Now, I've also, I thankfully enough, I was able to uh, link up with Jessica and Travis Rook and get hop on a Zoom call with them and go over their training, their 90 day training. So now I'm implementing that training back into my system and retraining my guy and really going step by step with them on the why and here's why we're doing it this way. We're gonna start from the inside, go out, just our whole process. And since I've started doing that, he's open to more, you know, solving more problems himself. He's open to, hey man, what about this? Um, what should we use on this? And me asking him, okay, what have you tried so far? You know, instead of me just being like, here, do this, man. Watch when you run into something, you know, it's, it's more information, it's more training. And so far that's been helping me. And uh, I also tell my, employees like to come to me with ideas new ideas hey if you think something's gonna work better if we could do something a certain way like bring that to my attention but because i micromanage or don't explain it well enough i feel like that kind of counteracts itself and they don't feel comfortable like i might be saying it but my actions aren't aren't behind that and so they don't feel comfortable coming to me with those things or doing those things or stepping up in that position and since i've started the retraining I see that coming to light more where, where they do feel more comfortable is more excited, you know, 
and it's more like a team effort instead of just, okay, what do I do? And how do you feel like that's gone for you? Now that you're seeing that, what's your, what's your takeaway? Like, are you more excited? Are you more passionate? Is it reignited anything with you now? Yeah, all the above. I'm more excited. I'm more passionate. I like coming to work more because we're actually, it's not, you know, they're not running wild like banshees and I'm not sitting over their shoulder all the time. And it's just, it's so much less stress. And since I, I've only been doing it about a week and a half, but I feel good. I feel just energized with it. You know, I feel excited for our future. Whereas before it was, we were running into the same issues because I was doing the same thing and just trying to tweak other little things with no direction. Do you know what the definition of insanity is? Oh yeah. Yeah. What is it? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. I'm so glad you got out of that cycle and that, <laughs> you, that you're using because Jessica's good on SOPs, right? She is like, she's like, her and I have had huge talks about SOPs and what the difference between an SOP is and an SOG, so standard operating procedures versus guidelines. And that's like a whole nother, that should be a whole webinar, quite frankly. But the huge difference is like you are initiating standard operating procedures on how to tackle a car and that is the standard. And now that they have this this whole procedural list to go over, employees want that guideline. They want to have boundaries because without those set guidelines or procedures, they don't know what your expectation is, right? Or they don't know what your goal is. They don't know the why we're doing it this way. And so I think it's freaking amazing that you see that and now you're pumped. That's so awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it was really cool because me and it, me and my my main guy, we because we've been reading these books and I can, you know, uh, hold myself a little bit more accountable and I'm thinking about things in a different light. I yeah. was able to approach him with that and be like, hey, man, like I've let you down and I can't get mad at you for not training you properly. So instead of us doing this, we're going to do a retraining. And this is for you and for me. So we can both benefit from it, you know, so you know the why and everything that comes behind it. And the conversation was amazing. You know, you go into those conversations with a little bit of anxiety and, you know, like you're telling one of your guys that's been with you for a while, hey, we're going to retrain you. <laughs> and so it's, you try not to, you know, make it sound bad, but it, it's the truth too, yeah. which makes it even better. Like it's my fault. He's not he's not to the level that I want him to be at. Like, where have I failed in that process? And so it was really cool. How awesome is that, that you took ownership of that? I'm super proud of you. Just as a human being, I'm, I'm like so pumped for you right now. Just, I'm blushing. Yeah, you're what? <laughs> I'm blushing. You're blushing. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> Thank you. That, you're, that I'm proud of you for doing yeah. So it's a hard thing, dude. Let's just be real. It is hard to own shit, right? It is hard. Like when you screw up or you do something that's not working and you're the leader, 
it is hard to look back and go, you know what? That's my fault. You know what? And, and I'm sorry, but this is how I'm not going to let that happen again. This is what I'm going to set up. And you did that. And that's hard. And so, you know what? You're, you are now not only a leader for yourself, your family, your kids, um, you're a leader for him. You're a leader in the group of the Detail Mafia because you're able to take that ownership and say, yeah, I did it. And it was hard. But you know what? I see like it was actually easy at the end. Do you see how like it was easy at the end of the day? You're like, you thought it was going to be hard and it was hard during the process. But at the end of it, you're like, that was actually easier than I thought. Yeah, it's like a big weight off your shoulders, you know, yeah. a big stress. It's like releasing something that you build up and just build up. And then someone's like, oh, I've done that too, man. And you're like, really? <laughs> I've been blowing it up this big? <laughs> <laughs> That's congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. So, so uh, let's see. So anybody else have any anything to add or any thoughts? No, be quiet tonight. That's cool. All right, so we'll go into chapter three then, and uh, we'll get into resolute but not overbearing. Uh, so you know they give the example of of a radio, right? Um, that Jocko wants everybody to understand the radios and communication's a big key. They're going into a new area. They don't have communication, but now um, their radios that they've been using in the SEAL teams is not congruent with the radios that the army's using or the Marines are using. They're using a whole different type of radio system. And this is happens whether you're in the fire department, when you're in the police department, Army, it doesn't matter. It happens all the time. So having a um, way to communicate is key, right? And and what he says is that um, he wants everybody to understand how to use the radio and that it's super important for them to use the radio. It tells them why it's important to you to know that they're how to program their own radios and so on. And the use, the, I think, I'm not, I think it was Leaf or uh, Leif or Babbitt goes into talking about how um, they were pinned down and he was a, oh, they were going to have a blue on blue, I think. And the only way that this did not happen is he was able to take the radio, change the channel, program it really quickly. So he was able to talk to the army that was on the other side of the road getting ready to freaking throw some RPGs or some big, you know, big caliber, you know, guns at it. And they would have died or someone would have died, right? So having, knowing that training is paramount. Now, being resolute and not overbearing means that the other side of that are the patches that were unprofessional. So. And this goes into pretty much everywhere as well, right? So they're super unprofessional, you know, wearing whatever they wanted, however they wanted it. They were, the patches were not the same color as the uniforms. They didn't go 
goes into it, right? And then, um, well, Leaf gets some patches made and does it on his own. And what that does is it, it kind of brings their team together, right? So these two, these two uh, squads that are together, it brings those, that one squad has their, their patch and then the other leader made a patch for the other team. And what that does is it brings these two teams together. That is a bonding method. Whether you're a patch in the armed services, whether it's a station t-shirt for a fire station, whether it's, you know, the t-shirt for, you know, a police department. I don't know what, I don't know what they would use, but anyway, same, same ideas. You're trying to bond that group together in a way that shows that no one else is in our little group. We're able to play well with others, but we're bonding in our own group. And at some point in time, Jocko found out from some media sources that were there taking pictures that they had their patches, but he never said a word because of the fact that they kept it professional. They kept it to off base and et cetera, right? They did it respectfully. And that is so big when you're going to do something off cuff and you're going to do something against your leadership or your employees are going to do something against your leadership. Respect is everything. Showing that respect of, of only doing it off base, kind of Jocko was able to kind of just go, okay, that's cool, right? Not a big deal. It, you know, he gets, he gets it. He didn't need to set that. He already set the boundary, but he didn't need to hold tight on it. He let it be a guideline versus a procedure. A guideline is a wide span of things. A procedure is a very narrow road, whereas your guidelines like a big freeway. I've got, I've got five lanes I can weave in and out of, whereas you've got one lane on this road and this is the way you got to go. And it's nowhere. It's absolute, right? So resolute, but not overbearing. Um, the knowing when too much. Um, when to hold the line and when to be lax about it um, and when to hold strong and stand uh, resolute and when to give leeway. Um, you know, that's kind of up to every situation. It's kind of like your daughter when she goes out and you tell her to be home at 10 o'clock. It's a school night and that's how it is. And she gets home at 10 o'clock. What are you going to do? Are you, did she meet the intent of the rule? Yeah. Am I going to balk about five minutes? Absolutely not. So many things could have happened. I was not in that car with her. I did not know if the, there was somebody that had gotten in an accident in front of her and she was waiting. You know, did she text? No. Will that be a, will that be a, a boundary going forward? Absolutely. So you have a talk. Hey, you know what? You're five minutes late. Um, it's not a big deal, but can you text me if you're not driving that you're going to be a little late or you're running late and you'll talk about it when you get home? That gives me a little bit more. I'm not wondering where you are because you don't usually go away from these boundaries and these guidelines that we've set for you. 
So whether it's at home or, or on the job, it's kind of like one of those things. I'm sure that Chris is kind of in my boat. He's raising kids, you know, I, six kids, man. That's a lot of boundaries. It's a lot of late nights. It's a lot of worrying. How, do you have any stories about that, Chris, you want to share? You might be driving still. No, I'm here. I'm here. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and it's funny you brought this up because uh, I was looking, listening to uh, uh, Jocko and Lee talk about it, and uh, there's one thing that they said is like, don't yell, don't yell. You just make things worse, you know. Control your composure, hold your composure, you know. Um, you're not going to get anything out of yelling. That was that's always been a a thing because I got three girls and uh, yeah. luckily none of them really pushed, you know, no pushed the limits. So I I was very fortunate. Yeah. Um, the youngest one, she's just like me. So yeah, that's probably the <laughs> pain in the butt. But she's very respectful, you know. They know they know where I stand when it comes to that. Um, and they text. They always text. And let me know what's going on, where they at, what they're doing. So that's awesome. Ryan, how old are your kids? Uh, I have a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a eleven-month-old. Uh, yeah, but six-year-old. Do you? Uh, do you? give them a boundary and kind of not be super hard on them or are you kind of uh, what's your deal with that it's funny because uh when you were talking about all of all of this like guideline versus procedure i was thinking you know i probably do that at, at home more than i do at work like i'll probably i'll tell my kids that not to do something and they'll do it in their own little way where it's like oh, it's, it's not really that big of a deal right like, you know, um, we do set boundaries with our, our kids and we have them set boundaries with other people. We teach them to, to do that with other people as well. So I've had my kids like tell me like, don't talk to me like that when I get too loud or something. And it checks me, you know, where I'm like, oh, you're right. I'm, I'm trying to get you to behave and control your emotions, but I can't control mine, you know. So it's little things like that where, yeah, I mean, all my kids are completely different from each other. And so we got to we got to raise them kind of differently, depending on their personalities, you know, with the same outcome. But it depends. Mom, mom has a better parenting style than I do, which is very, you know, calm and talking and explaining. Whereas I try to follow her style, but sometimes dad comes out because it, it is all about respect for me. Like I, I can't have my kids walking around and thinking they can be disrespectful to anybody. And for me, like that's, that's my biggest priority for them and understanding why. So yeah, I run into it. <laughs> Anybody else have input on that one? No, perfect. Chapter four, when to mentor and when to fire. Um, 
So they do the story of Rock, and Rock's the the big guy, but he's just not getting it. He's kind of getting a little bit too haywire. He's he, basically at the end of the day, Rock is not meant to be in the armed forces with a high pressure situation. He'd probably be really good as as like either a Marine just taking orders or just a Navy guy boots on the ground, right? But in high pressure situations, is he'll Rock just did not get there. And they spent a lot of time and energy. Um, time and energy, energy is also money. So at the end of the day, if you're spending too much time, too much energy, and the person's not getting it, and you've gone about it in five different ways from Sunday, you've called people and you said, hey, how can I, how can I do this a different way? I've done X, Y, Z. You called Jessica Rook, you called me, you've called other people that have done Chris Williams that have done like training stuff for their jobs outside of the detailing world. Then um, maybe it's time you just let them go. And that's okay, right? At the end of the day, it's okay to let somebody go. Um, and on the other side of that, maybe you're not doing enough training. Maybe you're not doing enough mentoring because mentoring is also training. And at the end of the day, not only are you mentoring your employee, but your employee is mentoring you if you let it happen. Because one of the best things about mentoring someone is that you're gonna always learn something from doing and being a mentor. And if you are not, learning something from doing or being a mentor, you need to rethink how you're mentoring. And I'm going to be really hard nose on that. Rethink about how you're mentoring if you're not learning from your mentee. Because at the end of the day, so many situations come up that it's absolutely paramount that you're open to so many different things. Um, I, I have been a preceptor in the paramedic world, I taught paramedic school. I was training for a fire department. I was chief. I did all these different things. And one of the huge things is as a mentor or a training officer, when you're training that individual and they ask you a question in a certain way or they do something in a certain way, or you're allowing them the autonomy to do certain things and then allowing them to kind of have a little bit of failure so they can see what that's all about. You should be learning from them, whether it's their movements. Oh, you know, that didn't work too well. Yeah, I can see how maybe I let that go a little too far. What did you learn from that? So um, I know that Chris has a lot of mentoring experience what do you think, Chris? No, you're exactly right. Probably one of our best teachers that we could possibly have is honestly when it comes to training somebody is trial and error. Trial and error. Um, you know as well as I do, sometimes we get as people to come through and they just have they're free thinkers, uh, which is good. Not not always a bad thing, good thing. Well, and they see a different view from you <clears throat> or going through a scenario or something like that and they might do a 
maybe a, a, a different tactic, you know, and it's very, it works out. Um, or it flashes in their face. Uh, that's, you know, one of the best lessons we had was trial and error. Yeah. Especially when you're using simulation rounds and you're popping each other. I mean, that's no fun. So, <laughs> yeah, you, you follow your tactics, you know, make sure. But every now and then, you know, you do get somebody that comes in with a fresh, good idea or different different angle on things and uh, to grow from. And uh, it's not a bad, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Trial and error, <laughs> trial and error has been a very good teacher for, I know myself. Oh, yeah. And one of the things that I've always um, been pretty standard on, and I guess you could call how I have a very hard line is if your mentee is failing at something or your trainee is failing at something, always look at yourself first. Oh, absolutely. Like, what have I done not to, uh, how have I not trained this individual? Have I trained this individual have I explained myself thoroughly? Have I had too much decentralized command with this guy? Or have I micromanaged him too much that he has zero creativity and now he's failing? Um, so there's all these different dynamics, right? That you need to think about within yourself and really take the time. It's not like a five minute process. It, it's like, I would take sometimes a day or two days or three days and really think about have I done everything possible with training with this guy? Like, why is he failing? I go back and look at training records. I would go back and really look at the last year's training and go, okay, yeah, I've got, I've got all the, we call them IIPPs. So injury yeah. illness prevention program, the six, which is training. It's just a sign up sheet. Um, but I would, I would go back and look at those because in every training. And that's the other thing if whether you're in detailing, where you're a plumber, you're an electrician, when you have training, there is a signature that goes down on a piece of paper that says, I learned this today. I, I am saying that I understand and I learned how to do interior details today. I learned how to pull wire through a freaking wall above an electrical outlet. I, whatever, you know, I learned how to do this in the plumbing today. It's, there's a whole topic and you have it written down and your employee signs it, knowing that those two hours of training or one hour training, they got it, they understood it, and they had the ability to ask questions or go over it again. And then on top of that, I would write notes down on a sheet of paper for my own copy. So that goes in their file. And then I would write a my file one of my training stuff. I would turn that over and I would write down, you know, Jeremy needed extra training on hoselets. He was not able to get the hoselet out of the engine bed and securely have it go all the way up before trying to make his corner. And you know, if you don't get all the hose out of the bed, oh, yeah. you're, gonna have, you're gonna have a bad issue when you're trying to, you know, load that hose with water, right? Yeah. So it's just even those simple little notes are going to help you because then what you can do is go, okay, Jeremy's having a problem with getting the hose all the way up. So he's got he's not doing follow-through. And then Jeremy's not following through with 
um, making sure that all the equipment is checked out on his docket. So he's leaving this and this. So you're able to say, oh, it's his follow through. So you know what? I have not, I've neglected his follow through issue. That's on me. I can start working on that now. I can tell him how important it is. Like, yeah, he understood that he needs to do this, but it's still at the end of the day, my problem that I did not significantly bring that up to him in a way that he understood that guess what? Your follow through is not coming up standard, bro. Like this is not the new normal. You're the standard is the normal. So I hope you guys understand that process too. Yeah. Anything to add on that one, Chris? Yeah, those notes are uh, <laughs> that right there when you brought that up. It just brought back flashbacks. Because um, <laughs> you want to note where you do find those faults and address it with them at the end of the day. <clears throat> that way, if you start showing, seeing a uh, start seeing a uh, uh, help me out like deficiency. Yeah, you start seeing it on a daily basis. If it starts happening, reoccurring, reoccurring, reoccurring issues, like let's just face it, some people just they are not cut out to be whatever it is. They, some people just can't. They just cannot. Yeah, uh, I've seen it a thousand times. I mean, they come in. They, it's just like a fighter. Not everybody's built to fight. Some people just don't have that eye. Yeah, you can teach and teach and teach and train and train and train and train, but eventually, you know, you got to get that eye. You got to be able to see see what's going on. And uh, some people just can't do it. I mean, they just really, they really can't. So, And, you know, the other flip side of that is um, maybe the, the mentor, whether you've set somebody up as a mentor, maybe they're not mentoring correctly. Maybe their way of mentoring is yelling. Oh, yeah, maybe, that's very true. I mean, yeah, you can have so a horrible teacher and a mentor or whatever it may be and yeah because you know, that can happen you where you've set up an employee to mentor another employee so like uh, a, a firefighter that's been around for years now has we have a new apprentice firefighter and this firefighter's journey so he's going to start or she's going to start training with the new firefighter when i'm doing paperwork or when they're doing their checkouts and I'm not overseeing it because you don't want to micromanage, right? You want to let that journeyed firefighter become the next level. You want to help them become to the engineer, right? You want to train them to be the next level all the time. But maybe you didn't realize that that firefighter is a really bad mentor, right? I've seen it yelling, shouting, not taking enough notes, maybe they're degrading, maybe they're not shouting, but they're degrading that employee, or maybe they're uh, passive aggressive with the employee. All these little tiny things you really need to take a look at when you have multiple employees, you still need to oversee that, that mentor-mentee relationship if it's with another employee, two other employees, because if you don't, it could go out of control. And then you have a guy that's, that just feels like crap and has been completely beat down by this other guy. And it doesn't matter what he does. He screws up because he is so beat down from his mentor. So 
it's funny that you talk about the mentors and the screaming and everything. You know what? And usually what has happened when you start seeing that is that that mentor has done it in the past. And at one time, it probably worked by him screaming and yelling and acting a fool. And it worked. So now it's created a monster. And he continues on and gets worse and worse at that screaming and hollering and everything. And it just creates a demon. And sometimes you got to correct that mentor like, yo, dude. That is not the way you're supposed to. No, that's not not the way you want to work. It just adds chaos. It adds fear. It's no good for the mentee by any means. It's just chaos. Oh, yeah. And then it breeds chaos when someone else comes into the station. Yeah. Or and it then- breeds chaos when you're in, in a hostile work environment. It breeds, like, negativity into the team. It all of a sudden you have a, a, a customer that comes into whether it's your, whether you're at somebody's house and then all of a sudden you hear yelling from one of your employees to another and that customer comes out, that's bad news. Yeah. That's negativity. That customer doesn't want you at their home anymore. Yeah. And uh, let me, you know, just kind of correct this. And there is a point in time where you like, you got some urgency. Yo, I need that here now. Okay. Get loud. I'm talking about screaming and yet just adding irate. Just yeah. Totally, yeah. There, there's a difference between talking loud like I am right now because I'm throwing my voice because there's a lot of equipment. You may not hear it, or there's an fluctuation in my voice, which is stern versus yeah. yelling. I need this now, please. Or I yeah. need this now, right now, you know, that type of thing. So yeah, for sure. Sternness versus yelling versus, you know, throwing your voice over equipment. Yeah. Do you guys have anything on that? No? All right. See what time is it? Yeah, I got time for, looks like we got time in chapter five, which leads us right into, um, you know, I forgot to I forgot to say this about the the mentor versus mentee. I, I took some, I because there's no workbook on this one, right? So I've just been taking tons and tons of notes and and takeaways in my little my little book, um, ensuring edu- everyone is pulling their weight, right? So, excuse me, Brock was the example. He wasn't pulling his weight. You can have employees not pulling their weight. Your mentee could not be pulling their weight at work. And maybe you're a mentor in the in the mafia and you have a mentee in the mafia. You know, they need to pull their own weight, meaning that they need to do what you ask them to do on a timely manner, right? The goal of a leader is to get the most out of the individual, getting the maximum potential and knowing their strengths and weaknesses, net positive impact from every individual, right? So that's like the goal of a mentor or a leader. Um, Court output uh, versus the team performance is really all about guidance. Progressive discipline, we kind of talked about that with the training. You always look at, if you train the person prior um, and look at your paperwork. Now Ryan has paperwork. He's able to go to it. I, I trained you on this. We've gone over it. You signed this little piece of paper. We've gone over this 90-day program. 
you keep still making these little tiny mistakes in the same area. What can I do or what can I say to help you relieve this situation? You know, um, uh, again, no bad teams, just bad leaders. And uh, direct feedback is always the best. And the conversations are always hard when you have to fire an employee. Um, talk about firing really quick before we go on because firing is kind of huge. Um, a lot of states are what they call right to work states. So um, whether you have a right to work state or not, that employee deserves their write-ups. And what that means is they're called counseling sessions, right? I hate them. I hate that they're called write-ups because it's kind of like the prison system. We used to put it into a correctional facility, but everybody uses the term prison, right? But a correctional facility was initiated to correct a behavior in an individual that is not um, coherent with the rest of the population or co cohesive with the rest of the population. Just like the behavior of your employee, whether they're doing something wrong as a behavior or the behavior meaning the task at hand or the tactic at hand, Write-ups are so important. So the counseling sessions, three counseling sessions, right? So number one, I hey, you know, uh, we've talked about this and, I, and I'm not sure, you know, and you wanna be kind of, you don't even wanna say I'm not sure, you wanna be direct, hey, we've talked about this, this is happening, it's reoccurring. I've let it occur a couple of times, but we need to kind of stop it. Um, I'm not giving you a write-up. This is a this is just a counseling session, but this is a piece of paper saying that we've talked about it. And you write it down. You actually have a form that says this is a progressive discipline process. And if you need some help with it, give me a call. Um, I can walk you through a progressive discipline process. And the second step is a write-up. So the second step is you know, um, you know, I've given you, or maybe the second step is retraining, or actually that's usually in the first step, you kind of go over the training again. Their, their plan is to go over training. The second step is now they're on a planned assessment evaluation, which means that they're on a plan to improve, right? It's kind of like we used to do that with kids in schools that they still do it, right? When you're not coming up to a standard scholastically. So they do that in situations at work. So your second write-up is, okay, even though I've trained you, we're gonna go through the whole training process again. Here's your paperwork. We're going through the whole 90 days again, and I'm going to retrain you on the process. It needs to be done by this date and this time. We need to have it all buttoned up. By the time that they're not done and your guidelines set, it's a third write-up and that's where you, that's termination, right? So that's what progressive discipline is. There's a whole, there's a whole circular response to uh, progressive discipline where you have training. Um, you're looking at the process of the IPP6 is to make sure the employee has been trained on it. And then you look at the process of, okay, I've retrained them, we've talked about it. And now I'm doing a, a physical write-up. You have now been, this is your actual write-up. I am informing you that one more write-up and you will probably be within termination um, guidelines. And for Ryan, um, actually Ryan, Chris, and the other Ryan, this is all California state law for you. 
three write-ups before you can terminate an employee. Once you uh, do, uh, and termination can also be uh, termination with cause or termination without cause. Termination with cause means they cannot file uh, unemployment on you. Termination with cause is three write-ups. You have all your paperwork dialed in. It is like, there's no, there's no I's not dotted. You know, everything is dotted and T's are crossed as they say, and they cannot get um, any uh, unemployment. Now, termination without cause. There is termination without cause. That is called a layoff. So you go into a situation where you're just not getting enough business and you need to lay your employee off. That is called termination without cause in the state of California. So that just allows them to collect unemployment. So there's no termination as a bad thing. You're just terminating your agreement with them to employ them. And it's without cause. They were a good employee, blah, blah, blah. They go and collect unemployment. Does anybody have any questions about that or write-ups or anything of that sort? No? Cool. Um, sorry, I had that written down before where I wanted to move on. Um, so we're at 512. Uh, train hard, because I'm just gonna go to chapter five real quick because of the fact that we kind of went into this with training. Train hard, but train smart was chapter five, right? They use Big Walt as the example. Big Walt was this massive man that would lead everybody and not just lead his, his platoon, but he would lead other lead other groups of SEALs, right? And understanding that leadership is a critical factor with any success. And it is, right? If you're like, their LPO was not loud. He tried to communicate on the radio. He was giving too complex of communication. So the huge thing is be simple. Um, when you're a leader, people need simple um, guidelines to follow. They need simple SOPs to follow. They need simple step-by-step -step procedures to follow. Without these, you're unable to even lead them. If you don't have guidelines, goals, why we're doing this, then there's no point in leading them into a battle. Whether you're working is your battle, whether you're at home and you're leading your family, you gotta have guidelines, you gotta have a why. You got to have a reason for why you're doing things, and it has to be known, has to be communicated, and it has to be clear and concise orders that are simple that someone can follow and pick up right away. I always tell people, um, if my eight-year-old or 10-year-old can, can follow these orders, so can you. So, and that's not because I was a hard, a hard ass, it's because of the fact that I can tell you that um, if I could, my 10-year-old, when he was 10, if I could give him a basic thing, hey, I, I need you to go pick up the things in the living room and put them back in your toy box. That's simple command. It's direct. He knows his expectations. He's going to do it or not. That's on him. Whether he's feeling defiant because he's got some emotional things going on with that or not, I gave him a task to do and I needed it done. And your tone of voice is always going to be a game changer. Like Chris was saying, your tone of voice of whether it's like, I need this done right now. There's a sense of urgency or like lackadaisical. 
oh, I just need you to go pick up your toys in the living room. <laughs> There's a whole different thing than go pick up your toys in the living room and put them in the box. It's just two different things. Um, so the critical part of, of why Big Walt was such a good leader is that he was able to take communication and put that down into simple concepts for his, for his people. Um, he was able to have cool um, head under pressure. He knew what he needed to do, why he needed to do it, and he explained it to his team in a cool, calm way with a loud voice so they could hear him over gunfire, right? So they had their, they had what they had to do as their tasks. Now, when the LPO tried to do it, he was talking too much and nobody knew what the hell he was talking about. So they just kind of stayed where they were at. So just take a look at how you talk, take a look at how you communicate, take a look at how you train. Take a look at how you lead and make sure that you are doing what you need to do to be that, that critical leader in the critical role. And if you need help with that, it's okay. Take a look at yourself and go, oh, I see that. Because you can always evaluate yourself. And self-evaluation, you should be the most critical on, right? Any thoughts on that, Chris? No, nah, you're exactly right, and and uh, we we uh, it's funny because uh, I think there's somewhere where Jocko and Leaf were talking about, you know, you get the guys that like that talk too much or repeating commands or orders like a hundred times over, and they called it the dead horse, and they throw the sign for the dead horse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You'll see that. <laughs> yeah. Um. Do you guys have any other stuff on chapter five that you got out of that? No, quiet. Perfect. Well, um, so we'll try to get through six, seven, eight, and nine, hopefully, maybe even 10 next week. Hopefully, I don't know. Um, four fifteen work good for you guys still. That's good for me. Yep. Perfect. So now we're going into check-in time. Um, I think is it? Uh, oh, he's not, Romero's not here, but Romero is doing great with his uh, with his tasks. See, did we give someone a task last week? Oh, it's Chris. Me. Yeah. What do we What did we want for you, buddy? Um. Well, I've been listening or. Pretty much listening to the audiobook this whole time this kind of was late i was like oh wait i think i'm supposed to have a thing today i was on chapter eight <laughs> i was just listening all day nice that's awesome no but yeah i mean some of the episodes i had to listen to again just because i either was not listening well but it's kind of been i kind of been reflecting I'm like, huh, I do that, or I need to work on that. Yeah. How awesome yeah. is that when you, like, find something within yourself and you're like, oh, oh, yeah. doing that. Oh, yeah, I know. But it also, I mean, hearing you guys talk about employees, at least it's, uh, it's um, 
what do you call it? At least I know not to go through that mistake or I can better handle it. Yeah. Like you said, yeah. I mean, yeah. operating procedures and stuff like that. Yeah, because, you know, Jessica Rook's got a whole plan, man. I really wish that she would do a webinar and just hand it out. But at the same time, she's done a lot of work on it. So I get um, people that she likes it when people call her because that's just, it kind of seems like people are more appreciative that way of her time. I believe she is doing a webinar on it. Is, is she going to do a webinar on it? Yeah, after I talked to her, before I could tell her thank you on there, she posted and said that uh, someone reached out to her. And so she's going to do uh, a webinar on all of it. Yeah. And, you know, our education committee is interesting because I do education for events, you know, and then Jess does them for the regular webinars. So, um, it's, uh, it'll be interesting for our dynamic of, of what's going on with that. Because um, now I don't know what webinars are coming up. If not in the, not in the know on that, like, I'm like, oh, gotta let that go. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but other than that, any, anybody, oh wait, we got a, uh, what's his name here from Oregon? Corey. You, yeah, Corey, how are you doing, bud? good i was just having phone issues i kept going in and out it's all right how are you doing with uh your um are you i know that you weren't waking up in the morning you were doing it at night is that yeah, I was staying still, up a little later. still going good for you yeah i mean i've been doing all right they said just trying to you know do a little more marketing or whatever i mean i guess it's trying to trying to load up so when i do have those days that I'm just too busy to put anything out it's just all right I got something in the back pocket that I can throw out nice. I mean that's a big thing too with Facebook I mean I don't know if a lot of people know it or whatever but you can pre-schedule a lot of stuff because I see some of these guys all of a sudden they'll do three cars in one day and they'll post all three cars it's like what about tomorrow you may not have anything to post so why don't you just put it on a schedule for Facebook or some or you know and then post it you know monday tuesday and wednesday not just throw it all out there on tuesday yeah yeah facebook, uh, facebook meta business or something yeah that's kind of what i've been doing scheduling stuff makes things a lot easier that's good. and that way you can find out what what part of what days are not days what time is the best time to actually post something because I mean, I may, we may all wake up at five o'clock, but it's probably, you know, sometimes that's not the best way to post it right at five because somebody else may not see it until seven, eight o'clock. I mean, cause there's some stuff, even Chris might post something or this and that. There's some of you guys that you guys will post stuff and I won't see it for like a whole day. It's weird. Yeah. It's the, there's a whole algorithm to a timeline. Um, I think 7 a.m. to 11 a.m. No, eight to eleven or seven to eleven, and then two to like. There's like an actually I have it written down for in my little. I have a little media chart, but there's Man, an actual part. Time. Oh, what? That part I'm just posting. I'm like, I'm just gonna put it at seven o'clock. You guys don't see it. I don't care. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, you know, I'm just gonna post it for someone to see. That's it. Yeah. Well, you're doing good on your videos, Chris. I see, like, you've gone to another level with your videos, man. Oh, yeah. I, I got lucky. Man, I dropped my goddamn 
dished my brand new polisher like three times already. Can't believe it. Brand new polisher getting blessed. But yeah, I got I found the guy. He's uh we basically networking. And then, you know, I just connected and he lives close to me. So he just comes by and is like, all right, cool. Nice. Congratulations. All right. Well, I'm going to let you guys go. Thanks for coming to the podcast, giving all your input. And Book Club is awesome. Spread the word. And uh, most is uh, Corey, do you, did you know that about the fire engines? You're in Oregon. No, I didn't know about them. Uh, so let me stop this.